Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home to some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Mike Philbrick, your host for the Double Truck Stories podcast. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't let his demeanor fool you. Shohei Otani is a samurai warrior. Purely and simply, he embodies the ancient virtues of the Bushido Code. Morality, courage, benevolence, respect, honesty, honor, and loyalty. This full absorption into this way of thinking has produced a pitching and hitting sensation that Major League Baseball hasn't seen in a century. While Otani's early success has heads turning, he is the first one to acknowledge how far he still needs to go. Yes, he relishes in his successes, but not just for what they are, but for how they came to be, through preparation and a triumph over a previous failure. It's a balance he wears in his sleeve that comes across as, well, boring. And that's fine with Otani. In fact, that's just what he wants. Will the highlight crave baseball world be able to keep the same patience as they watch Otani's journey unfold? And will the story end as a footnote or in Cooperstown? Stick around after the story for my conversation with ESPN senior writer as we talk about the origins of a baseball journey that no one has yet to take. Now we present The One Baseball's Been Waiting For by Tim Kuhn. The One Baseball's Been Waiting For by Tim Kuhn. Luis Valbuena bears witness. The Angels' third baseman watches Shohei Otani finish the first inning of his first start with a three-pitch strikeout that starts with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball and ends with an 89-mile-per-hour splitter that takes a late, cartoonish dive to avoid a bat held by Oakland's Matt Olson. Valbuena starts jogging toward the dugout with his eyes down and his head slowly shaking. Just a guy from Venezuela appreciating a guy from Japan as they play together in California. By the time he passes Otani near the first baseline, Valbuena's head is tilted up, and he is staring at the sky, laughing at something only he finds funny. And the temptation on this Easter Sunday afternoon is to attribute his beatific look to a spontaneous religious experience, which, in its own way, why not? It fit all of the categories, wonder and excitement and surprise. After the game, and after Otani spends six innings making the wondrous look relatively routine, Valbuena says, It just made me happy. I was watching him and thinking how much fun this is. Valbuena's reaction carries with it a statement, That's what everybody's been talking about. And a question, Where the hell did that come from? To that point, hints were hard to find. Otani made just two spring training appearances against big league lineups and both went poorly. He went 0 for 4 in a game against minor league pitching and hit just 125 through the spring. But as the days piled up, he exuded serenity when everything around him implied panic. After each game, as questions turned to doubts, Otani stood in a blinding white events tent in a parking lot in Tempe, Arizona. Hands clasped behind his back, neck bowed, he stared out at a group of people who stared back with the vigor of a stakeout. His pose suggested a man awaiting a cigarette and a blindfold. The routine took on an ambient sameness. He was asked a question, it was reformulated into his language, and he began to talk. His Adam's apple ascended and descended like a freight elevator. He made eye contact. He was clearly polite. He was meticulously humble. His words were reformulated back into the language of the questioner and relayed as the most banal of possible answers. The repetition made it feel like a concerted effort to extract all personality, like wiping clean a hard drive. 
Through it all, Otani was so contained, so unerringly regulated, that it became easy to forget the enormity of his quest. He has come here to hit three days a week and pitch once a week, at a level he has yet to experience, in front of a vast, impatient audience. The task is fascinating, difficult, and so rare, the last person to do it was Babe Ruth, 99 years ago. Even as spring training gives way to the start of the season, there is no indication that Otani feels the burdens of pressure or expectation or, honestly, much of anything else. And so, dutifully, day after day, we stand and watch as he stands and watches. His mannerisms become a fascination. The way he touches the tip of his cap and bows slightly every time the umpire tosses him a new baseball. The way he flicks away whatever minor clods of dirt might have congealed in the batter's box. The way he responds to giving up a home run by dropping his glove and aggressively retying his already tied shoelaces. The way that, in his pitching debut in Oakland, he repeatedly thanks a teammate who makes a good play behind him until he is sure the teammate knows he is being thanked. We search for an external sign of the unease that must be, that simply has to be, hiding deep inside. And day after day, there is none. The infield skin is rich, dark earth. The dormant grass in the outfield is bleach blonde, broken only by three patches of bare dirt, like scuffs on a floor, where the fielders stand. This baseball stadium in Himeji, Japan, is up the road from a castle first built in 1333. The castle is a towering, wedding cake structure perched above the town like an eagle's nest. It is the largest intact example of Japanese feudal architecture, largely untouched by the bombs of war, built during a time when the country was run by warriors whose name, samurai, translates roughly as those who serve. That Bushido code endures up the road in the ballpark where Otani's high school, Hanamaki Higashi, is playing an exhibition doubleheader in preparation for the Spring Koshien Tournament. Spring Koshien is a little brother to the Summer Koshien, which is Japan's version of March Madness. On this wintry Sunday in late March, more than 600 miles from their home in the northern prefecture of Iwate, Hanamaki players wear their uniforms in the same styleless manner. Tight pants pulled up on the waist a few inches higher than cool, the elastic cuffs three inches below the knee as if measured with a ruler. Their caps are pulled tight over team-wide buzz cuts, the brims curled slightly. After an intricate pregame infield-outfield, they line up from the mound to home plate, facing the home team's dugout. They take off their caps as one and bow toward their coach, thanking him for helping them improve. They turn toward their hosts, thanking Shikki, Kama Himeji Municipal High School for the opportunity to take infield. They turn and face the fans, bowing and thanking them for attending. And finally, they turn toward the mound and bow to the field itself, thanking the earth for being there. Without it, the game would not be possible. It is impossible to overstate the level of attentiveness required of the boys who wear these uniforms. Adults in Japanese high school baseball are not allowed on the field, so players coach the bases, and if a manager needs to instruct his fielders or calm his pitcher, he sends a player as a messenger. If the manager were to do the unthinkable and leave the dugout to question a call by the umpire, he would be stripped of his spot in the federation. Essentially, he would lose his license to coach. There are no sagged heads, no dirt kicking or pouting. When the second baseman for Shikama High makes his second error in his many innings, his manager calls out, Don't make a sad face. Keep on smiling. 
It is a world of structure and obedience, camaraderie and respect. Much of what takes place in Japan is bound to the centuries-old code that built that hulking castle. You can see it in the dark-suited businessmen weaving their bicycles through Tokyo sidewalks late at night, their ties still smartly knotted. You can see it in the schools where lunchtime is not a break from education, but an extension of it. Students grow their own vegetables, serve one another, and are responsible for everything from preparation to cleanup. And you can see it on the baseball field, where the remnants of the Bushido way have taken hold in the minds and bodies of teenage boys and the men who coach them. Throughout most of Hanamaki's doubleheader, its coach, Hiroshi Sasaki, sits in the corner of the sunken dugout, a subterranean sage. When he speaks, even during play, his players remove their caps and form a semicircle around him, standing at attention. After six hours of baseball and two wins, the Hanamaki players head to a side field to practice for another 90 minutes. The players do this without complaint, picking up their bat bags and shoes and walking briskly from one field to the other, stopping only to bow in thanks to those who took time out of their weekend to watch them play. All of which is to say, we've been looking for Shohei Otani in the wrong places. He cannot be found in a crowded clubhouse where he sits at his locker with his translator and friend, Ipe Mizahara, never more than three steps away. He can't be found working on his splitter on a too-hard mound with a too-slippery ball on a backfield. And he definitely can't be found perfecting the art of the polite banality in a rented tent in a stadium parking lot. Every baseball player who chooses Hanamaki Higashi High School is given a complete physical and an MRI when he arrives on campus. It is considered one of Japan's better baseball schools, so the competition for a spot in the school, let alone on the team, is rigorous. The season is year-round, and each player must live in a team dormitory, regardless of how close on campus to campus his family resides. The players are responsible for cleaning and maintaining the dorm. The coach, Sasaki, assigns the tasks. One of his rules is that pitchers must clean the toilets. The pitcher, especially in Shohei's case, is literally and figuratively at the highest point on the field, Sasaki says. Once they get up there, they are at the pinnacle. So for the rest of the day, I tell them, you have to do the lowest job. Shohei never complained. Otani's MRI showed growth plates so far apart it was obvious he was going to be tall and therefore his potential far exceeded the already developed 15-year-olds who entered Sasaki's program with hair under their arms and closed growth plates. Sasaki does not claim to have predicted what Otani would become. By 19, a household name. By 21, the country's best hitter and pitcher. By 23, the most sought-after international free agent in baseball history. He had no idea that those growth plates would remain ajar until Otani reached six foot four or that a major league international scouting director would tell me last spring that Otani could be the best pitcher in the history of baseball, and I don't say that lightly. He has equal, if not better, stuff than all of them. Sasaki didn't predict that Otani would quickly transform himself from a high school kid with an unreliable fastball and quick hands at the plate into an international sensation whose name was attached to Babe Ruth's so reflexively that it seemed like a mandate. No, Sasaki only knew that Otani's best days would not take place under his jurisdiction. Because of what we were seeing in those images, we knew Shohei's goal was not to achieve success in high school, but beyond, Sasaki says. Otani was someone who would peak at the end of his 20s, so that had to be the way we approached his training. 
The granular details of Otani's childhood remain unknown. His parents are as elusive and private as their son. In one of his few interviews, Shohei's father, Toru, emphasized his son's normal childhood and says he indulged Shohei's baseball dreams after long shifts at an auto assembly plant made it difficult for him to coach Shohei's brother. I've got to give Shohei what I couldn't give his older brother, Toru told the Mainichi newspaper. Sasaki says Otani's parents are nothing like the monster parents who are around these days. They are the most humble people you will meet in your life. America is an ongoing subplot to Otani's career. With Sasaki's blessing, Otani wanted to sign a major with a major league team when he graduated from high school in 2012, but Nippon Professional Baseball's Nippon Ham Fighters drafted him anyway, then put together a successful recruiting pitch that sought to enlighten the then 18-year-old and his family on the cultural rigors of the minor leagues. Last season, the focus shifted. With MLB changing its rules regarding international players, Otani could have stayed in Japan and been a true free agent after two more seasons. Instead, he announced his decision to leave Japan in November of 2017 and immediately became the most sought-after and cheapest arm and bat on the market. A frenzied and somewhat odd courtship ensued, with Otani and his agent narrowing the field to seven mostly West Coast teams before choosing the Angels. Asked for his opinion on Otani's decision to forego potentially $200 million by joining MLB this year, Angels second baseman Ian Kinsler asks back, What is he, 23? What's he making, the minimum? Most everyone in here made the minimum at that age. Kinsler shrugs and sends his lower lip forward with a that-settles-that finality. Otani's new teammates keep their observations light, their words like stones skipping across a flat lake. The team has erected a fortress of positivity around Otani, and when he warms up in Oakland before his first start, the metaphor becomes literal. A total of eight teammates and coaches stand behind the bullpen mound. General Manager Billy Epler recites a list of outings Otani embarked upon with his teammates this spring. Golf with Mike Trout, horse with Andrew Haney, a hockey game with Garrett Richards and Tyler Skaggs, as evidence that he is fitting in with his new teammates. He is very simple, Epler says, very focused, very meticulous in everything he does. Rangers reliever Chris Martin, Otani's teammate for two years in Japan, doesn't remember the two having a meaningful conversation. After Otani's celebrated high school career and five years as a star in NPB, even the aggressive Japanese media failed to turn up anything worthy of headlines. You, Darvish, and Otani are different personalities, one tells me. Darvish always had groupies after him. Otani is boring. Otani made several million dollars in Japan, and he lived in the team dormitory for all five years, which means this year is the first time he has ever lived outside of his family home or a team facility. He never bought a car or bothered to get a driver's license. His mother handled his money, doling out a meager monthly stipend that her son rarely spent. There were times when I would ask him, Don't you want to go out and have a few drinks and loosen up? says Hideki Kuriyama, manager of the fighters. His voice rises and he waves his arms in front of him as he mimics Otani's hurried response. No, 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 that's not me. I'd rather go to the gym and work out because the only joy I can find is on the field. The way Kuriyama tells it, with his arms wishing away the question, the thought itself embarrassed Otani. I asked Masato Yoshi, a former major leaguer who was Otani's pitching coach with the fighters, a simple question. What are Otani's interests outside of baseball? Yoshi takes a deep breath, followed by a long sigh. 
He tilts his head back as if he's pondering something deeper than what's been asked. Finally, he says, Shohei Otani outside of the baseball uniform is a mystery. After a long night game roughly halfway through the 2016 NPB season, Kuriyama called Otani into his office. Otani was scheduled to pitch and hit the next day, and his manager had a proposal to make. He'd noticed Otani's struggles in the first inning of road games, and he attributed it to his hitting third or fourth in the batting order. The inning would end with Otani either on the bases or on deck, leaving him to rush to the mound with scattered thoughts. So Kuriyama looked across his office desk and said, I want you to lead off tomorrow. Kuriyama stared and waited. This was much a challenge as a strategy. He looked at me and nodded with fierce eyes, Kuriyama says. After a while, he said, I know what you're telling me. It gave me goosebumps all over. Even for someone who has been in this game as long as I have, it was an awesome moment. The next night, in another chapter in the legend, Otani led off with a homer and pitched eight shutout innings in a 2 nothing win. Martin pitched the ninth for the save, and as he stands in the Rangers' spring training clubhouse, he can recall the game as if it's happening in front of him. The first two months of the season, his command was bad and his off-speed was just okay, Martin says. I was like, I've seen guys way better than this guy. Why is he such a big deal? After the game, I was like, okay, this is why. Kuriyama, like Sasaki, wanted Otani to leave for the States earlier. He felt he always had a good read on his best player, and even though his team would feel the loss, he believed Otani needed the challenge. There was the game four years ago when Otani got hit all over the park and had to be pulled in the second inning. When Kuriyama got home and logged onto his computer, he found an email from Otani. I always know when he wants something, Kuriyama says. Everything is Mr. Manager. So polite. Otani wanted to hit the next day to rid himself of the metallic tang of his bad outing. Please use me tomorrow because I can't sleep, Mr. Manager, he wrote. I am so frustrated. He has thrown 102 miles per hour from the mound and hit home runs of 500 plus feet, two facts that go a long way toward creating a myth but don't guarantee success with the Angels. NPB is considered the world's second best league, but the gap is wide and the peculiarities notable. His talent, it seems, has always provided a layer of protection. One example, Otani is a right-handed thrower and a left-handed batter, and his importance to his country's baseball culture kept most pitchers from throwing inside and threatening his exposed pitching arm. Yoshi says one of the biggest adjustments between countries is the canyon that exists between the respective codes, a, different, a difference Martin describes by saying, When you hit somebody over there, it's a big deal. The pitcher bows to the hitter to apologize and make sure everyone knows it wasn't intentional. Over here, it's not like that. Over here, it's, we'll do it again. During a spring training game for the Mets in 1998, Yoshi drilled a hitter one at bat after the guy had homered off him. Afterward, veteran starter Al Leiter asked, Did you hit that guy on purpose? Yoshi hadn't. A mere accident, he says. But he quickly told Leiter, Oh, yeah. Now Yoshi laughs and says, I noticed I got immediate respect from the pitchers. Otani is strong and broad, his physique at odds with his nearly prepubescent face, but his career in Japan was marked by injuries. Last season, he pitched just 25 innings due to ankle and hamstring problems that lingered through August. They babied him, Martin says. We were wondering why he wasn't at least pitching. My ankle was blown up and they were trying to get me back in two weeks. You learn not to ask questions. After Otani was activated, but before the team was comfortable allowing him to hit or pitch, he would emerge from the dugout late in games and swing a bat in the on-deck circle. 
Never seen anything like it, Martin says. 50,000 people cheering a guy standing in the on-deck circle like he's Michael Jackson or Justin Timberlake. There was never any intention of letting him pinch hit, but Martin laughs and says, I guarantee you the guy hitting got a few more pitches to hit because of it. Kuriyama, who believes Otani's personality is better suited to hitting, the id, than pitching, the ego, fought forces within his organization who wanted Otani to concentrate solely on pitching. Arms like his are rare and any risk is seen as too great. But the first thing Kuriyama told Otani after the fighters signed him directly out of high school was, let's do something nobody's done before. Through a meaningless spring training, Otani was halting and mechanical on the mound, jumpy and impatient at the plate. The Japanese baseball has higher seams and a velvety feel. Even straight out of the box, it feels like it's been through a few rounds of batting practice. The mound feels less steep in Japan, the dirt is softer, and Otani's hesitance can be attributed to an inability to stride out and fully trust his body to follow. His spring training starts were broadcast live on national television at 5 a.m., and despite the language barrier, it was easy to detect the disappointment in the voices of the Japanese announcers when the Rockies scored seven runs in an inning. But by his first regular season start, with the ball jumping out of his hand and nearly 70% of his pitches thrown for strikes, nothing that came before mattered. It looked as if he'd arrived on the mound fully formed. In his first at-bat at Angel Stadium, he hit a three-run homer that cleared two walls, the one in right center and the one that had been holding back Otani's emotions. He entered a dugout that gave him the silent treatment and tried to play along, high-fiving the air, before his joy overwhelmed him and he hugged Ian Kinsler from behind, setting off a wild celebration. It was a late-arriving echo from the words Chris Martin spoke about his time in Japan. Okay, this is why. For his sake, I want him to struggle for at least two years, Sasaki says. For his sake, as a person, for him to grow and further blossom, the struggles will go th he will go through are something that is needed. That is why he is constantly smiling. He is definitely enjoying this struggle, and he will find the ability to overcome within himself. He senses that this is not the expected answer. He laughs, clearly enjoying the disconnect. He holds up his right hand as if requesting time. He needs a moment to think as he tries to come up with a precise metaphor to explain what he's trying to say. Right now, Shohei is crouched, Sasaki says. He must go down before he rises up. Sasaki had been cut by his university's baseball team and thrown out of the school's dormitory, thinking life couldn't get much lower, when he walked through a bookstore with a friend and picked up, picked up a book written in 1937 by the American self-help guru huckster Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Sasaki held the book up to his friend, pointed to the title and deadpanned, Yeah, this'll help me. He bought it, mostly as a joke, and more than 20 years later, his cheeks color and he smiles bashfully as he tries to explain the book's impact on his life. There's one chapter in particular, Auto-Suggestion, The Third Step Toward Riches, about putting thoughts into action, that Sasaki has incorporated into his coaching philosophy. As one of their first tasks, presumably after the MRI, Sasaki's players are told to write down their goals. The idea is to force them to transfer their dreams from the ephemeral to the tangible. He made a point to keep and share Otani's list. Most of them are typically lofty musings of a teenager, but others reveal a self-awareness unusual in a high, sc high schooler. Age 24, throw a no-hitter and win 25 games. Age 26, win the World Series and get married. 
Age 36, break the strikeout record. Age 37, first son starts baseball. Age 38, stats drop, start to think about retirement. Age 40, throw a no-hitter in my very last game. Sasaki draws great significance from coincidence. In Japanese, the words vision, target, and achievement all start with the same symbol. He is not just teaching his players to cover a base. He is teaching them to help one another, to care for one another, to not leave someone to fend for himself. He mentions the 2011 Japanese earthquake, which devastated Iwate and its neighboring cities, and wonders what Americans thought of the communal response by the Japanese people. I care about covering a base for your teammate and telling your teammate where the next play is going to happen, he says. These things aren't just necessary in baseball, but also in life and work. Salarymen have to care about each other. Families have to care about each other. I believe baseball is the perfect textbook to teach the ethics of society. Sasaki has one more coincidence he would like to note. Inazo Nitobe, the first man to bring the concept of Bushido to the English-speaking world, was from Iwate Prefecture. Back when Otani was in his final year at Hanamaki and thinking seriously about going directly to the United States instead of playing professionally in Japan, Sasaki told him the story of Nitobe as a way of encouraging him to chart his own course. Doing something nobody else has done, bringing a new way of thinking to America— Sasaki believes Otani is setting out to be a pioneer in much the same way. I don't know if Shohei feels it, Sasaki says, but there is a bond. The first syllable of Otani's given name, Sho, is in honor of the Japanese military commando, commander Minamoto no Yoshitsune, one of the most honored samurai from the area near Oshu, Otani's hometown, and Hirazumi. Hei comes from the first kanji symbol in the written form of Hirazumi. It's an indication of how intrinsic history is to the culture that Otani is named after a warrior who died in 1189. Nitobe wrote, Nurture men of character rather than mere talents. Sasaki says, I believe it is my duty to teach these kinds of Bushido lessons through baseball. So take another look at Otani standing there, hands clasped behind his back, neck bowed, shoulders straight. Maybe it's a posture designed not only to invite attacks, but to withstand them. I would like everyone to perceive his success in the longer term, to have patience and understanding in what he is trying to achieve, Sasaki says. You must understand, he is searching for a way that does not yet exist. Nobility in the pursuit, joy in the pain, Much of this is taking place at a frequency we no longer possess the capacity to hear. The struggle, as Bushido demands, is a gift that must be honored. It will clear a path for whatever comes next. Now, joining me is ESPN senior writer Tim Kuhn. Tim, thank you for making the time. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. First of all, this was an amazing piece, a well-researched piece. Most of the times you go to cover a baseball origin story, you don't usually have to cross the Pacific Ocean to do it. No, you don't. And, and you don't have to uh, sort of immerse yourself in a, in a new culture to figure out how someone ticks. And it's, uh, it, and it's interesting, though, that what you were able to dive into in almost – he didn't really play on a baseball team as much when he grew up going through high school. It was more like a baseball program. And the first thing I noticed when I was – you know, I was so into this when this when he was coming aboard with the Angels this spring – 
I noticed about Otani is, and I'm glad you spoke to this, is he doesn't seem to panic, and it seems that everything, success and failure, are all part of building towards a future, and he's at peace with both sides of it. He is, and, and I think talking to the people who know him best as a baseball player in Japan, which included his high school manager and the manager and pitching coach and other, other coaches and teammates for the Nippon Ham Fighters, is that he... And and really everyone in Japan in that baseball culture, they're very process oriented. And, and we've sort of come to laugh at that whole trust the process thing. But over there, it, it is it's ingrained in them that that results only matter when they matter, you know, and they, they don't matter in spring training. So everything is is very much uh, just getting yourself in the right frame of mind and body getting your body ready to jump into the rigors of a season and i think that you know i i don't we don't know what's going to happen long term but i think maybe we missed some of that this spring in terms of what he was dealing with in terms of this immersion into an entirely new baseball culture and society and i and i think that uh that's probably why we were also shocked when he hit the ground running so so well when when the season started. And it seems like when he does speak, it seems his press conferences um, aren't boring necessarily because of. I mean, he has a translator, so it's not like there's a language gap. It seems like it's, they're boring because, and he doesn't want. And it's not like he's trying to get everyone to go away. It's just that he has a process. You know, you just said trust the process and that phrase. But he isn't thinking about this as much as maybe everyone might want him to because he's sort of with that Bushido code is sort of like that balance and that peace that he just knows what he's doing. Yeah, very true. And I, and I, the other thing, Mike, is that it's sort of a, uh, a culture clash when, when he goes from speaking to the Japanese media to speaking to the American media because the questions are so different and the, the, the goals are so different. We want to know what was your childhood like? And, and the mm-hmm. Japanese media that covers him daily, they want to know how many curveballs he threw in his bull, bullpen session and how, you know, they're, they're, it's very granular with what they want. And, and ours is sort of big picture, especially with someone that just arrives here with all this fanfare. We want to know, we want to know what he and his brother had for breakfast when they were seven, you know, and, and there's just not that same, uh, there's not that same mentality over there. They, they, they get, they, they get at what they, they want and then, and then they move on. And a lot of it was very maddening for, for us. And for, you know, I will say for me in particular, because the, the angels had sort of a, uh, they had rules where you couldn't ask him about the past. He was asked about mm-hmm. his high school days pitching in the Koshian tournament in Japan, which is, it's just a huge deal over there. It's, it's like their March madness. And, and the, the question was cut off because he will not talk about the past. You know, there's not, that's not what, what he's there for. If you want to ask a question about what something that has happened since he showed up with the angels or major league baseball, that's fine. But there, there were parameters that made it very difficult to just figure out who he was. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, as you said, like as he hit the ground running and his ability to handle all this, there is, uh, I know you mentioned the, like the summer caution, the, the tournament that they play out there. P- 
people sort of know about this because I remember I remember personally even being a big sports fan, not hearing about it really until like I would hear the the tales of lore of Daisuke Matsusaka and what he was able to do in some of those tournament appearances. But I feel that most Americans and baseball fans over here don't really understand what this is and the importance it has, meaning that in many ways you could argue that if he could handle that at 16 or 17, what he's doing now at 23 is probably just, you know, old hat. It is. I mean, it's that tournament is it, it sells out. I mean, they have a spring coaching and a summer one. And, and I happen to be there watching um, an exhibition game doubleheader for the spring coaching. And it was it looked like a normal high school game in, in the United States. But then they played their first round game in the actual tournament about five days after I left. And I, I looked online to, to see highlights of it. And there were thirty five thousand people in a in a huge stadium. I mean, it was wow. it was crazy to see um, just the attention and it and the the final rounds are on a national television and and it's just it's a huge event. And as as I learned and as as I think American baseball fans have learned as the Japanese players have become more prominent in the U.S., they can. These these guys can make a reputation over there based on their high school days in this tournament, mm. and that's why some guys throw 180 pitches on a Tuesday and then come back on Thursday and throw 175 more. It's it's right. a it's a remarkable uh, sort of test of endurance as well as as baseball ability, and it, it just has a has a hold in that in that culture. I. I Quick story, I was talking to uh, a, a player who, uh, Tony Barnett, who pitches for the Rangers, who played over there for six years. His pitching coach in Japan was uh, a, a guy who had very minimal professional success, but was a hero from his days in the Koshian because he was this Iron Man who threw all these innings and, and, and led his team to victory. And the attention that he got when – the, at the stadium in the Hanshin Tigers, they would have to walk across an open uh, walkway that went through the stands to get down to the to the dugout. Mm-hmm. Well, he had such trouble getting there that they they eventually built a tunnel for him so that he wouldn't <laughs> have to deal with the fans. And it wasn't because he was Ichiro; it was because he was a high school legend. And so right. they had to build a tunnel that went underneath a parking lot and, and so that he could bypass this walkway. And it's, it's, an, it's amazing. I mean, we don't really I, – I don't know that we have something that's that similar in our culture. It's, we definitely don't on the, on the yeah. high school level. But um, it's fascinating to, to see just what a hold baseball has on, on the people. And it's also, as far as what he's able to experience at that young age and – what his coaches there thought he think he's capable of. There seems to be almost like the I feel like I got like this peaceful patience among them that what he's going to be able to do. But do you feel that there is a breaking point if the success that they all imagined isn't necessarily achieved? Or is there still that, you know, kind of peace of mind of, well, it wasn't for lack of trying. We honored the struggle and we honored the game and then move on. No, I think that they, they do have that, they first off, they feel like he has already accomplished a lot, given you know, given Shohei's days in Japan and the in the professional baseball there. 
Um, but as far as this goes, that the, there is this peaceful, this this code that is that you that you draw not only strength from the struggle, which is a concept we're very familiar with, and and mm-hmm. we overdo sometimes, but you you draw joy from it, that you learn from it, and it's it's part of of allowing you to appreciate the good times even more, and and that if you sort of uh, if if you sort of throw yourself into this struggle and enjoy it and and experience it in that way, then you can't fail. Like there's right. no such thing as failure because even even failure is success, if that makes sense. Because no, what I mean, you're thought- doing, you are you are approaching failure in such a way that is that is that betters you as a person. Um, and it's a it's a fascinating concept, and and I think that. You know, it 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 does it does lend itself to a, a certain philosophy that that doesn't really fit with what our our mentality is. Um, but they they just they kind of smile when I talk when they said that they felt that he would struggle over here, um, that it would take a while before he became a transcendent figure in American baseball. Um, and they would just look at me like they, they would enjoy my reaction that I would be kind of quizzical, <laughs> like that, that they want him to struggle. We want him to struggle. And, uh, you know, we've gotten to the point in our culture where, you know, we don't even want our kids to skin their knees. Right. I mean, right, that's exactly. that's like and they they actually are, are almost rooting for him to to have to have all these obstacles to overcome. Uh, just another fascinating aspect of of the way they approach life and and baseball. It's, it was, I mean, I thought part of your close was fantastic when you, when you, you know, you basically said the struggle is a gift that must be honored. It was just, and, you know, and, it, it speaks volumes to every, to everything that the entire approach. Yeah. And thank you for that. And I, I think that it, it, if one thing came through all that um, and my, my trip over there, it was, it was that, it was this idea that, um, and, and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be misconstrued as, as not caring, you know, because they, they do care and they do, you know, they want to succeed, but, but it's, it's incremental and it's, it's sort of contextual, you know, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. like uh, that's why the spring training, I mean, I I think Otani drew strength from incremental improvements. If he felt better one day, even though the results didn't feel that way, if his velocity was up or a certain pitch was behaving the way he wanted it to, yeah, that was a success. That was what that was what he was after, and he was he was fine with that. And he left, you know, to be current. He left Tuesday night's game against the Red Sox with a blister. And part of the you know the talk is the difference between the ball in Japan, as you had mentioned in uh, in MLB. And how much how much of a factor do you think that would be going forward? And how come we haven't heard about that more with other pitchers? That's an interesting question because. I spoke to other pitchers who who said they've had the same problem with the transition. Uh, Masato Yoshi, who was his pitching coach in Japan and, and also pitched in in the U.S. for several seasons, uh, he said that, that it, it's been a it's been an issue for every pitcher who has come over here. Um, and it's interesting because Otani had problems with blisters in Japan, so mm-hmm. there may not be a direct correlation to the ball. Um, you know, the, the ball I, I held at a Japanese professional baseball when I was there and it, it mm-hmm. feels, as I describe it in the story, it feels like it's been through a couple rounds of BP, even when it's right out of the box. 
Um, the, the, the seams are a little bit higher. The, the cover feels a little bit looser. Um, and, and pitchers say that the ball is a little bit smaller over there. Um, I couldn't quite tell that. It didn't feel like there was, that that was a, a thing. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, that there's a lot of adjustments. The mounds are definitely different. The mounds over there are much softer. The dirt, mm-hmm. you know, it used to be it, like if you go to a high school field, you could kick out your landing spot and the, the dirt would just, you know, would just move and there'd be a big hole there for the whole game. That's what their mounds are, are like, even at the professional level. Whereas over here, you know, that they've gone to the really almost, you know, the clay that, that really yeah. is, is very hard. It, it's, it, you can't really dig it out like you can dig out their mound. So, yeah, there are differences. Some are subtle and some are, are less so. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is uh, when you talked to his high school coach, Hiroshi, uh, Hiroshi Sasaki, I thought it yes. was interesting that for someone, you know, we've seen other athletes come out of Japan, how driven they are. And when he shared with you the goals that Otani wrote down after shortly after starting, when they asked him to do that, um, and some of the notable ones you don't hear about from some of these from a laser-focused athlete, like he had included in there, like getting married and first son, first son plays baseball. I found that to sort of be that was the one. Forget about maybe any display of emotion. I thought that I found that to be out of character towards like the driven, driven, focused athlete that we had been. Having a picture painted of until that point. Yeah, I, I found that almost incredible that a 15 year old had some of those those goals in mind at, at at that age. You know, I mean, some of them were were typical, you know, sort of grandiose ideas that that we have at that age. Whether we're whether we're as good as he was at a sport or or whether we just thought we were, but right. you know, I, I think that. The others, uh, the other one that struck me was, I think it was age 38, skills begin to decline, think about retirement. I mean, <laughs> that kind of, that at, at 15, I mean, yeah. who is, who is sort of plotting out their, their physical deterioration in such a clinical fashion at that yeah. age? It just, that, that one, uh, and the family ones, as you mentioned, were, were the ones that really, really, really struck me as something uh, different, you know, and, and, and the perspective was, was incredible. Um, and then again, he goes back to being 15 by saying at age 40, throw a no hitter in my final game. So yeah. you know, was, maybe they, maybe they just, just maybe they just got the Kevin there, Costner right? movie. Maybe they just got Kevin Costner's library or something on, on Netflix. <laughs> but there's a, there's also a point where you tell an interesting story and kind of connect all this. You tell a story of, um, Hideki Kiriyama, the fighters manager, like recalling how Otani once like rejected an offer to, you know, go get some drinks and go out to work out because he only gets joy on the field. And I bring this up because, you know, recently uh, we had Hunter Thompson's story on Ichiro Suzuki and there seems to be these guys are on polar opposites, like one at the start of their career, one at the end, but it almost looks like there's the reason why I also brought up earlier, like the family and the first son, it seems that he may be like they have similar paths of their relentless preparation and their only escape or joy through either the preparation or success. I mean, of course, as we just said, partially the struggle as well, but it's almost uh, Ichiro at this point is almost like a broken person trapped in a lifetime of a singular focus. Uh, 
So I guess the question is how can how can Otani be able to avoid something that seems like drive at 23 but sad when you're over 40? Yeah, I don't you know Mike, I don't know that he can. And and those two stories sort of very unintentionally on our part kind of provided bookends to the to the Japanese baseball experience for for mm-hmm. the the prodigies, you know. And I I I found that that the you know not not to come across as somebody that knows everything about a culture which is far from the truth but sure. there's a very deeply ingrained um sense of what of maleness in that culture there is a it's a, it's it's patriarchal the you've got the the samurai warriors who were the epitome of of both ethical and uh, ethics and fierceness you know that 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 these guys they they've that passes through, you know, and I, I tell the story of, of how Shohei got his first name and it was, he was basically named after a warrior from his prefecture who died in 1189. So there's this deep <laughs> abiding sense of, of who they are and, and what it means to be wow. a man and how mm-hmm. you conduct yourself. And, and, and I, it's just something that is uh, just intrinsic to that culture. And I think it, it, it has in, incredible benefits as we see from from their you know his drive and his his humility and it also has a downside which is that you you can't let that go it's Mm -hmm. something that you feel you feel tied to generations and and that that responsibility is something that that never really goes away and and you know in, in reading Wright's story about about Ichiro I felt that you know, the same idea that where can, where does this go at some point? Like, where does it, it doesn't necessarily transfer to another, you know, another realm, you know, and I, I, obviously we have athletes from American athletes who have difficulty with retirement, the whole Mm -hmm. idea that you die twice. Um, But I just think it's a little bit, it just feels deeper. You know, it feels deeper when it's, when it's so, tied to, to who you are and and what your what your history is um it's really fascinating it's it's sort of a story of a of a place as much as it is a person but it's also interesting though i would say another besides the beginning and end of their careers one of the things i could tie the the goals about having a son having a family it does seem that the big difference between someone like ichiro and otani is the fact that uh, he's still very close with uh, Otani is very close with his parents where uh, Ichiro is famously like completely estranged from his father, almost like That's angry true. that he, and, and, angry and that he created that, the obsessive compulsive monster that he became. Exactly. And, and, and yet can't, <laughs> and, and yet as Wright so poignantly stated, he can't now, now he is, perpetuating the same things that he holds against his father. You know, he's, exactly. he's forcing himself to do the things that his dad used to be the one forcing him to do very right. deep. And, and I think that, you know, it's, uh, as I talk to people in Japan, it, it's a common, the father son baseball drive. Whereas in this country, it's, it, it can be suffocating and we have uh, different ways of, of, you know, sort of rebelling against it. But, uh, but over there, that you know, Shohei has a similar story in that his father regretted that 
Shohei's older brother didn't get the attention and the coaching that he could have because the father was too busy working. And so he vowed that he would give Shohei all the attention that the older brother did not get. So it, it it's similar in terms of just that passing down and, and feeling the compulsion and the responsibility to teach and to make sure that all those uh, dreams are fulfill, fulfilled or at least attempt to be realized. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I know that Ichiro had a falling out with his father and, and, and Otani's parents have been traveling around watching him. So it feels a lot different, but the roots of it are, are very similar. And it does seem that though the balance though, that he's able to achieve where, as you, as you put it in describing what he's done, it's almost like there can't be failure if there's the struggle, like, if there's the struggle and the attempt and whatnot. So the point is that he could almost, should he decide that after, if the American baseball experiment is not something that was a failed one in some people's mind, he could almost go back to Japan and just like, you know, have a tunnel built for him and like live forever in a way, like through the eyes of what yes. he's already done. Yes. And, and as a sidelight to that, one of the, the exhibition spring training game that I went to in the Tokyo Dome featured Koji Uhara's return to the Yomiuri Giants at, at 42. <laughs> and it was, the place was packed. There were 50,000 people there for essentially a spring training game. And the, the bullpen was uh, behind the dugouts there, and they have cameras on them. So they, everyone knew he was going to pitch one inning. And so he, I think it was the fifth he came in, and, and they showed him you know, warming up in the bullpen, and everyone went crazy. And then they showed a tribute to his days when he used to pitch for that team, for mm-hmm. the Giants. And then he came charging out of the dugout to pitch, and, and it was pandemonium. I mean, it was, it was just like this – unbelievable welcome back for Koji Uhara. So, you know, it, it, it's a, they, they used to resent when like Nomo was resented when he came over here because they felt it was almost a slap in the face to, to the, the legacy of Japanese baseball that somebody right. felt like they had to go somewhere else to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. Now it's become accepted and the return is, is sort of the, uh, the payoff, you know, you come back after you've achieved things here and, and you show people that you still, you know, you still care about their baseball. And, and it, do, it almost doesn't matter if he pitches one season or five more, you know, it, he's going to be remembered as the guy who came back as the conquering champion. It just, it does seem interesting to see how this will evolve, like with, you know, hitting home runs and despite the blister last night playing you know, and there's been criticism about way too he faces more deep lineups, but I mean, he is only 23 years old and he's his professional career in major league baseball is what, like a month and a half, maybe. So it yeah, will be and interesting it was to never see. going to be as smooth as, you know, <laughs> anyone who thought it was going to be, you know, all uh, shutouts and, and homers and three straight games. I mean, it, it's clear that there were, there were going to be bumps and, and his uh, he'll learn from them. And, and, you know, I think that, everyone believes after seeing how good he was his first two starts that, that uh, that's going to be more the norm. Um, But yeah, he's, it's not going to be, you know, he's not going to retire the first 19 every time he pitches. Well, to your point that you mentioned with different people, essentially saying the same thing that you reached out to and spoke to throughout the piece, there will be dozens in my, 
probably most likely this season of moments where we then where then we say, oh, that's why. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the that that was the story that uh, pitcher Chris Martin, who was his teammate, was like, uh, you know, I think Americans go to Japan, American players with the idea that, you know, sort of American players are superior and they, they mm-hmm. if they hear a lot of hype about a Japanese player, they need to see it to believe it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Martin had heard so much about Otani in the first, you know, first couple months. He didn't really see what, what all the fuss was about until Otani uh, was asked to lead off in a game that he pitched. And he threw eight shutout, hit a first inning home run. And, and <laughs> then Martin kind of kind of looked around like, OK, now now I get it. You know, yeah. this is this guy is something vastly different from what. Uh, what he was used to seeing and, and yeah, I mean, the talent is, the talent is, is incredible. And, and we, you know, we haven't even spoken about how fast he is. I mean, Mm -hmm. the other thing is he's one of the fastest players in major league baseball. I mean, he, he just is athletically, he's, uh, he's like something from the future. You know, I think that's what, that's what brings so much excitement is that we, we, we feel like baseball has sort of, uh, at times failed to sort of fascinate us. And now this guy comes along and, and can, can throw a hundred and, and hit 500 foot home runs and, and run as fast as Mike Trout, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, how, you know, I, I need to watch this. This is fascinating. And, and that's the, that's really what he's brought to baseball right now. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's good for the game and, and for everyone who cares about it. Well, it's definitely going to be fun to watch, and I, uh, I'm anxious to see what the next chapter is. I'm sure you'll keep us all up to date on ESPN.com and ESPN the magazine. I will try. Well, thank you for your time. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, Tim, take care. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with more Double Truck Stories Podcasts.